2: And now a word from our sponsor, which this week is the brilliant Clarks. You may have heard that Clarks and spinning plates have teamed up for quite a while, actually, which is brilliant. We love Clarks in our house. So this section of the podcast is brought to you by Clarks for growing feet in safe hands. So Clarks as a brand have almost 200 years experience in perfecting their products. And they've taken this expertise into their first shoes offering. Now, listen, I I speak from experience. Your child's first shoes are so much more than something you put on their feet. They are memory makers. I can remember all my kids' first Clark shoes, journey takers as well. They mark that moment that you realize your baby is no longer your baby; they're a toddler. And so we've been thinking, fun activities to do with the kids. It can be a challenge, right? Even for the most creative parents during the holidays, you know. And we're also seeing our little ones' skills and dexterity develop. And you're trying to think of things they can get to do. So over the course of the year, spinning plates and clocks are going to bring you an extra special Clark's culture guide is going to give you some inspiration on exciting sensorial things to do with the kids up and down the UK as they learn to walk and jump and climb and all those things we've got some ideas for you do not worry take for example the British Museum they have a Little Feet event so they've got actually a selection of fun free family events for the whole family throughout the summer holidays loads of stuff on their website one of them is called Ride the Waves now this is specifically for under fives it's August the 21st It's completely free. You just need to go on the website and register. It's taken inspiration from one of the exhibits inside the museum, which is China's Hidden Century. It sounds amazing. It's got creative elements and multi-sensory stations and relaxing areas. You're going to need a towel. (laughs) It's got wet waves, soft sand. Um, There's um, there's even friendly fish. That's what the website says. So it sounds really good fun. As I say, take your towel, because they're going to make a splash, and the little feet paddling pool. Um, there's also, as another, in this kind of tip comes quite close to home, Victorious Music Festival. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken your little ones to music festivals, but I love doing it, and Victorious is somewhere I played last year. So it's in Southsea, down Portsmouth, it's an amazing day out, it's a beautiful festival, it's pretty big, but it's really special because it's got a real community element and a massive area specifically for kids. And once you're in, so for under fives, it's only a pound, five to 12 year olds, it's eight pounds. And once you're in, there's loads of free entertainment, there's performers, there's you know face painting, there's just loads of stuff happening. There's Sonic the Hedgehog, you can meet dinosaurs. Yeah, you heard me right. There's absolutely tons of stuff. I actually took my kids there last year and we had a ball. It was such a brilliant festival and I really, really recommend it. Another tip, and this is across the UK, from Lincolnshire to Dorset, Kent, Cambridgeshire, the natural play areas for kids in National Trust properties are brilliant. So there's loads of stuff to do, splashing through streams, climbing up a treehouse, going through the branches of a little woodland den, I find when I take my kids to outdoor spaces, it's like everything makes sense. They can run around, they can use their imagination, just be free and happy. So, check the website for the places that's near you or somewhere you're travelling, because in a lot of places the kids under 5 go free, and have a little look, so there's loads to check out in the Family Friendly section on their website for your options, all around the UK. I want to say thanks so much to Clarks for partnering with Spinning Plates on this extra special Clarks Culture Guide. It's definitely given me some ideas. And we'll be back around half term with another guide. In the meantime, please let me know how you get on with your adventures. Share some pictures on social with the hashtag Clark's Culture Guide. I'd love to see you out and about. And any suggestions you have to keep your little ones entertained, please send them my way. I always need more ideas. Also, remember, Clark's in-store fitting service is available in all Clark's Kids stores. And each pair of shoes nurtures happy, healthy movement at every stage of child's walking development and beyond. So shop Clark's First Shoe Collection now or book an appointment for an in-store fitting at clarks.co.uk. Hello to you. I am packing for a holiday. I find it slightly stressful. Try not to find it stressful. I've sent the kids out to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles while I'm packing. And I'm a bit of a control freak, so I do it all myself. And that means that I, I always make a mistake, basically. Sometimes it's a very glaring one, like the time I forgot to pack myself. Any pants? There was also another time where I forgot to pack. What was I forgot for Kit? I think it might have been... T-shirts or shorts. He had none of one of those. But I think it's just because my brain gets a bit split with thinking about the different kids and what they need and I just get it a bit wrong. So I'm surrounded by little piles, little shorts, little T-shirts. I'm planning on doing some washing when I'm away, so I'll keep on top of it. I'm not taking much. They don't really wear much, do they? I don't really wear much. Swimsuit, shorts, T-shirts. It's kind of all you need, I reckon. Swimwear, that's the main one. That's the big one. Couple of couple of options for that, so that when something's wet, they can chuck on new stuff when they go back in the water, and everything dries in the sun super fast. Oh, it's just going to be so nice. I've got three gigs between now and the holiday. A little bit of complicated planning. So basically, I leave tomorrow. The kids leave later in the week. Richard leaves with the kids. I join them when they're one day into the holiday. It's a little bit complicated, but once I'm there, shoulders down, relax. It's going to be good, and I'm so ready for a holiday. We had a lovely weekend last weekend. We went to three festivals, Camp Festival, Why Not, Rock Oyster, took my youngest three with me and a pal for the oldest one, the 11-year-old. It was really fun. It was a bit drizzly, but the kids were still really good, and we went out in the rain and just got on with it. Ferris wheels and art classes and listening to music and eating food and all of that stuff. It was really fun, and the gigs were great too. So, yeah, very special. It's always really nice to take him away. And big thanks to my band and crew for being very tolerant at having four extra kids in the tour bus, which meant we had no spare bunks. So it was a little bit, you know, busy, but good. Really, really good. And thanks to Jessica for looking after them while I was on stage. Very important role, of course. The bigger ones I can bring without any, anyone helping me out, but pff, the little ones. I mean, you wouldn't trust a four-year-old to stay still at the side of a stage for an hour, would you? New. No. So, yeah, it was really good. It was lovely. I'm glad I did that. And now, yeah, I'm just sort of poodling on, just I'm ready for a break. I just need I need a little bit of downtime now with the kids and the family. I'm ready. Anyway, you did not come here to hear my packing spiel this week's podcast guest so the nice thing about having a podcast that's been running now for three years is that some people i've interviewed and i'm now interviewing now they've become parents since i started so when laura whitmore became pregnant i thought oh She could be a really interesting guest later on and makes me sound a bit creepy. I don't mean it that way. Um, I've known Laura for a few years, not super well. We've met on and off over the years, you know, in a work capacity. And I said it's only more recently that um, we've got to know each other a little bit better. I really like her. I find her really warm and smart and a really good broadcaster. So Laura is, uh, she started off in MTV presenting for MTV, and then she's now done all sorts of different broadcasting, I suppose most notably things like her own show that she's had on Sunday mornings recently, it's just finished the first series. Um, She's been doing Love Island for a little while in 2020, I think it was, and 2021 as well. Uh, She has one baby, who's now I think around 18 months, a little girl, and... She's been pretty private about all that, so which I completely respect, of course. Um, but I was intrigued to hear about how she found motherhood when she's so in the public eye, and also the fact that I remember seeing Laura about two weeks before she gave birth, and it was on the set of Celebrity Juice where she was on one of the panels. She looked pretty phenomenal. And I was like, When are you due? And she's like, Oh, two weeks. I was like, Blimey, that's impressive. And then it seemed like you blink and she was back to work after her baby was born. And I sort of looked at it with a mixture of, like, huge, being very impressed, of course, but also thinking, I wonder what that feels like on the inside. I have gone back to work pretty quick from some of my babies, but that first one, I just didn't feel like I had much tethering in myself to know how to go about my work. But with talking to Laura, I realised that her work was part of what that process was, like, making her feel like her. And as she says herself, she didn't want to be immediately the mum, you know, capital T, capital M. But to find her own way and finding her own way involved, also going back to work and having all that in the diary with her mum there. And it really made a lot of sense to me, actually. I could totally understand the emotional core of why that was important. You were here for yourself. But it was just such a joy to spend time in Laura's lovely house and hear about all of this stuff and how it was for her. And uh, yeah, I always have had a soft spot for her, but it made me warm to her even more. Which, to be honest, is the outcome for pretty much every single guest I've had on. Aren't I lucky? It's just a nice thing because I think when people talk about their relationship with, I don't know, becoming a new mum, it takes you back to a period of something new where even the most sure of us can sometimes feel a little vulnerable. And when you go back to that time, I think it just makes you reveal things about yourself in a different way because that's what's happening to you in the process. That's what makes these conversations interesting to me. I love it. Anyway, um, while we're listening back to chat with Laura, I'm going to keep packing. So wish me luck. I don't know where my 11-year-old swim things are. That's the only thing I'm missing. Oh, there is something I should probably mention. I always forget when I do the intros that you might not know... I've obviously done my research on the guests, but sometimes I assume that you have as well. Um, Laura mentioned sometimes her partner, her husband, Ian. Ian is Ian Sterling. He's a comedian, and he also does the voiceover for Love Island. And if you're like me and you've listened to it, then you'll know he's brilliant. I thought I'd mention that just because she does mention him. I think that's it. I've tried to give a bit of a history. I'm just really bad. I always forget that... um, like everybody knows the things that I know. That's bad, isn't it? That's a bad podcast host. At least you have uh, a lovely little section about the podcast, which is co-written by my producer, Claire, who's actually really good at those things. So that's good. Anyway, I think that's it. The packing continues. The hunt for the 11-year-old swimwear continues. Life is okay. I'll see you in a minute. Good morning, Laura. It's really nice to see you. You too. How are
1: you today? I'm all right, actually. Um, The weather's a bit grim outside. I felt, you know, and I don't know if that makes you feel more tired. I just felt like I was, I started on the wrong foot this morning. I'm like, you know, a little bit late, slept in a little bit, then running late for, like, nursery drop-off and all that stuff. Um, But... I'm okay, I'm sitting and I'm chilling and I'm having a nice coffee.
2: Sleeping in a bit late sounds good. Yeah, but not in a good
1: way. Oh,
2: okay, (laughs) I'm late! (laughs) And what's it like being interviewed rather than, because I know obviously you spend a lot of time interviewing other people. Is it quite nice being...
1: Yeah, (laughs) I've gotten better at it. I know the first few times I've ever been interviewed, I'm like, what do they want from me? Because I know (laughs) how my mind works. (laughs) And I'm like, is that a leading question? What does that mean? But um, today is fun.
2: Yeah, because and I suppose you put your. I trust you. <laughs> thank you. That's a good start, and we can hear Mick maybe in that's the background. That's your my dog. dog. My dog will, is pottering around. The pitter patter of tiny paws. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's maybe. so needy. He I just... like it. I've, I've, and when I'm at home, I've got my cat, so I feel like it's a sort of nice decade. He kind of
1: looks like a cat, doesn't he? <laughs> it's cats same, are bigger. He's
2: the same sort of proportions <laughs> as a cat. <laughs> um, and so what's what's going on at the moment? I know you've got a new series that's starting soon, um, later this month, so why don't yeah. we start by talking about that? So.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah. That's, that's kind of a strange one. So I'm doing a documentary series, but I started making it over a year ago. Oh, wow. So it feels really strange for be coming out now because I'm so used to doing live television Mm. that you make something and it's out there and then or it's out that week and it's so immediate and you get that you do it immediate reaction and you move on yeah well it's strange to do something that I started like over a year ago actually talking about it but some of the interviews and
2: um, it's. Can you hear him growling? I can't. Is, it, is he offended by my footwear? He's,
1: <laughs> no, he, he's sorry. I'm so sorry. He's offended by the fact that I've got crossed on and I'm not
2: sharing it with him. I thought he just didn't like my high tops. Um, <laughs> no, he's
1: a big fan of them. He was Pickle. rubbing against them earlier on. I'm sorry. <laughs> know your space. Know your boundaries. Um, so yeah. So and it's it's a very different to maybe the type of shows I've worked on beforehand mm. and um, dealing with some quite serious issues, everything from misogyny and incels, um, which is a term that's kind of come to light the last few years, basically a certain kind of group of men who define themselves as hating women, um, which is weird because I am a woman, and sitting in those situations doing those interviews is a very surreal environment. But I did that like a year ago, okay. and now it's coming out, and now you kind of have to step back, st- in. Step back in when you've taken that break away. Um, but maybe it's something quite nice in that too, because I've given myself a bit of time. Yeah, and a bit of hindsight, which I don't sometimes get with things I work in because I'm in it. Yeah. Um, so it's a very different experience.
2: Yeah, and I suppose also you've got the buffer of the, whatever else you're up to at the moment. Yeah. Because I imagine those topics. So uh, as I understand it, you've got three three parts to it. So you've got yeah. toxic masculinity. Yeah. And then a look, closer look at BDSM, and that's sort a of whole yeah, world. and
1: the rough sex and um, and that world, uh, and then the final one, is cyberstalking. So, yeah, just a barrel of laughs, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You have to laugh sometimes. Some of the days, I'm like... And actually, I worked with such a lovely crew, mainly female crew, which was great. And we, some of the situations we were in, you kind of are so surreal, and some are really heartbreaking, but you kind of have to have that camaraderie and a bit of, what is this? And and a bit of lightness within that, too, which has been really helpful.
2: Definitely, because I think... um... Well, we can kind of close ourselves off from a lot of that stuff most of the time because it probably happens in murky corners of the mm. web or people you can block or things like this. Mm. But to actually sit opposite someone and try and work out what's led them to yeah. actually um, act on the impulses, that, you know, the darker impulses they have, yeah, is pretty intimidating.
1: And, and some of these situations, I kind of surprised myself. I was a bit apprehensive with some men who I interviewed and I, I travelled to America to interview... Um, a lot of the guys, and some, some would change their mind. They would do an interview and then they didn't want to do the interview. But I was surprised by how many people would talk to me. And even though I didn't agree with their views, I I probably gave them something they don't always get, which is time. Mm. And and after listening to them, I didn't hate them as much as I thought I would. Does that sound a sense? And, so, and it was a very weird thing to deal with because a lot of times I would talk to someone and, and, and be in a situation I'd never, ever put myself in and realise, oh, you've had a really terrible upbringing or something bad happened to you.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: kind of how do you define that and how do you find that out and how do we stop that happening? And these, these men who basically slip through the cracks and, and the one thing is, you know, is it just online banter? And we've all seen horrible comments and things that people say to each other online, but at some point that does cross over to real life and that does become a real threat. Mm. Um, we have seen that and it's like, how can you differentiate between the two of them? Um, But I was really shocked by coming out going, I liked him more than I thought I would. This is terrible. Like, how do I feel this way? And I just realised everyone is... You're trying to find those human qualities in everyone. Yeah. trying to find a bit of good and what went... Or what went wrong. Yeah. That you feel this way now has led to this.
2: I think that's actually the way... What you're talking about there sums up a lot of what I think is wrong about how a lot of things are debated online, actually, is because Mm. we have got this quite binary thing and it's you're so encouraged to be... Team A or Team B yeah. and then just to sort of throw stones at the other side. But actually, as you say, if you start to w- w- go back in time to work out where things, maybe where people weren't supported or where they didn't receive the support yeah. or the education or the opportunities, yeah. you know, that, that's actually how you make that's, a that's progress, progress
1: yeah, and, and just listen rather than shouting at each other. I mean, some people are just dicks. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes <laughs> you're like, "This is true." Some too. people say things I'm like, "You're just an idiot." So, but but I do think there is. We don't allow ourselves. We shout at each other rather than go. Okay, tell me. I don't agree with you, but I will listen to you. Yeah, and and people can change their mind. I hope. I hope you I, like. That's otherwise the world won't get better. You can change people's minds, um, and or even just open them up to see new things and understand people's experiences. Because yeah. um, it's very hard for a man to understand what it's like for a woman because they don't see it through the female gaze. And, and I don't understand what it's like for a guy these days. So I just think it's quite nice that we can kind of talk about our experiences. Yeah. It's the only way we learn.
2: I agree. I totally agree. And is, is that probably like the most sort of, I suppose, sort of heavy, serious topics you've had to deal with in broadcast, you think?
1: Yes and no, because I think a lot of the light shows I work in come with their heaviness as well. Like, everything, nothing is ever as light as it seems. And I've definitely come up against... Even, like, the first time I moved to London from Ireland and I won this competition to be on MTV, but, like... I was living by myself, um, trying to find somewhere to live. And we talked about this before we started, like going around looking for flats in London and going, this isn't as glamorous as I thought it was going to be. No. Um, and, you know, and I've, I've definitely had to, you know, in television, it's a, it's a really great environment to work in and it's a really hard environment to work in. And there's definitely ups and downs. And it's kind of finding your own voice within that space. And I've definitely had to, I've definitely worked on live television shows where, Sometimes personal stuff could be really hard behind the scenes, but you still have to go in and do your smile and do your job. Um, And that can be conflicting sometimes because you feel, this isn't how I feel right now. But it's the same probably for musicians who have to go on stage and maybe have had a really horrible day, something personal like, but they have to go up and entertain. And because it's not for them, it's for the audience. So, yeah, it's although this is, on one hand, probably... Uh, I guess from an optics point of view, seems heavier. I think we've all had to deal with heavy and light always. But now I can actually kind of talk about it in a, in a much more real way.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really astute thing. And I think look, we're lucky. We both probably adore a lot of what we do for a living yeah. and do something really passionate about. But I have had gigs where I've come off stage and thought, I mustn't misinterpret my, like, the fact that I mostly do enjoy what I do isn't actually intrinsic to me being able to do my job. Yeah. It's just like an extra. But yeah. I, have to, yeah. I have to still to be able to deliver the same job, no yeah. matter what's happening on the inside. And and it's
1: and it's hard there's that juggle. And I've constantly got these like internal conversations with myself. And sometimes mm. I have to give myself a talking to because I'll go in to do something that I'm really not in the mood to do that day, but I have to do it. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you feel guilty because you know how lucky you are to do a job that you love, but it's. It's hard, and I'm still navigating this industry and, and finding what makes me happy yeah. um, and also pushing myself.
2: Well, I did your show not that long ago. Your, yes, your thank you for coming show. on. Well, I really enjoyed it, and I have to say, I was re- so, you're such a brilliant broadcaster. I think you did such a... I, mean, I know you've said about live TV and mm. how you kind of work in that way, and your brain can be doing three different things at once when mm. you're chatting to one person and working on the next thing and listening to someone in your ear. But I thought you were so... Great, and I was wondering where you think you learned, the, which job do you think has kind of given you the most in terms of, like, progressing with how you went into it and how you left it?
1: Um, it's one of those things, learning by doing. Um, I've definitely been in so many different situations. Like, the first job I had was for MTV, so I went... My background was journalism, um, and I was working, I was interning. My dog is licking my hand now. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. Um, but I remember working in this newsroom, and I found it really hard. I was just interning in this radio station, because news is... Like, not great. So if you're in that environment constantly every day when you hear bad things are happening or people do bad things, it does affect you. And I have a lot of friends who are still in news and I'm like fair play to them because I don't think I have that ability. I think, I'm going to say too sensitive. I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think I am too sensitive to be constantly in that. I'm really happy with doing the doc stuff because I feel I'm able to be a bit more emotional with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still like throwing myself in all these situations and giving it a go, so going from this newsroom and interning there from interviewing, you know, people like politicians before they'd go on air. And then my, then I entered a competition to be an MTV presenter and won that. So I ended up going from this newsroom to be like the lowest of the low in that situation, like making the tea, the coffee, doing the pre-interviews to then moving to London within the space of like a month and being sent to LA to interview Coldplay. Do you know, like, wow. how does the girl who makes the coffee do that? <laughs> um, so quickly, I think we were all surprised. But I think throwing yourself in situations that you don't think you're ready for you you just learn on the spot yeah i think that has really set me up and that's why i like live because anything can happen and it has like i've worked in situations where in your ear you get told um i remember doing i'm a celebrity get me out of here now which is the backstage show so we're in australia at seven in the morning um because it's uk time uk evening and you're outside, so there's bugs flying around. And then you're meant to throw to um, a clip from that, you know, the, uh, um, a bush took a trial. And then in your ear you hear, oh, we don't have that tape ready, just fill three minutes. And you're like, oh, wow. Okay, that prepares you. <laughs> <laughs> that, you yeah, you'd rather not learn on the spot. but I, And I'm, so, I'm sure it's the same with performances. You can't really prepare yourself for doing a live gig until you do a live gig. And yeah. That's that's how you learn. It's the best way.
2: And the more you do, and the more things go wrong, the less yeah. anxiety you have about things going on because you've sort of been through them. All yeah, and the like, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> and there's
1: nothing that has happened. Like, I'm ready for everything because it has happened at yeah. some point. Um, I've definitely worked on live shows where, oh, like as I said, the personal stuff. Like you could be going through like a breakup behind the scenes, or you you could be up for, like, another big job and you're really excited, am I going to get it? But you're like, no, I'm working on this job at the moment. Or, like, you know, I've, I've been in all those situations, but I've always managed I don't know how. I'm a good multitasker. Mm-hmm. But then I find it really hard to just do one
2: thing. Yes, I can see that about you. <laughs> so, like, there's always
1: something else going in my head. I'm still thinking of other things. And and even, like, um, Ian, uh, my partner, it's sometimes he's doing one thing and I'm so jealous that he can... He can just cut everything out. I'll be talking to him and he won't hear me. Because <laughs> he's just focused on that one thing. I'm mm. like, I wish I could do that because I'm probably thinking of other things, which kind of helps when you've got the in-ears and people talking to you. And yeah. you're looking at the queue and you're interviewing someone else. But I thrive off multitasking.
2: Yeah, there's a certain kind of adrenaline that comes yeah. with all of that, that busyness, isn't yeah. there? And like having your brain stimulated. It's like, I bet if you were like... Strapped up to something, you'd see all these like little areas like lighting up like different. Work, yeah,
1: like <laughs> working away, all these little people inside. But um, yeah, sometimes it's not. Sometimes I find I do find it hard just to switch off, though.
2: Yes, switching off is often quite a tri- tricky thing, and sometimes um, I wonder if you're like me. Actually, I part of my motivation for doing lots of things is I think my actual alternative setting is probably doing very very little at all because I actually think sometimes I can be quite good mm. at. Um, being been really quite lazy, so I sort of make sure I've got lots of things I've got to keep going on with. Yeah,
1: I know what you mean. If I've, I can get so much done in one day or I could probably do nothing in one day, I feel like there's no in-between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, work, I probably work better and I feel better when I'm being productive. Um, and the more stuff you have to do, the more you get done.
2: Yes, I think this is true. Yeah. What's that phrase, like if you want something done, ask a busy woman. Away. Yeah,
1: she'll get it done.
2: So in amongst all this ambition and busyness, did you always think that motherhood would be something you'd want to... Have a part of your life as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's that it's you spend your whole life. Like I went to a convent in Ireland, like um, like an old girls' school, and you spend your whole life kind of being scared you're going to get pregnant because <laughs> that's what's kind of drilled into yeah. you. You look at a boy, you'll get pregnant. <laughs> It'll happen. And and I really wanted a career, and it was my mother was a single mother um, who had a career and raised me, and I was at that particular time probably one of the few kids who was probably not picked up from the school gates by their mom.
2: What was your mom doing at the time? Was so she
1: uh, worked in the civil service. Okay. Um, so she, like, went to work in a suit. And I, and actually, I quite... I love that about her. And she it was, you know, 80s, 90s, big shoulder pads. Perm. I mean, that was a <laughs> mistake for everyone, wasn't it? <laughs> who told them that was good? But this is my my image, and I, I love that. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I think she... Now, as I'm older, I remember one of the things she said to me, she said, I've I always felt really bad I was too tired to play with you. Said, but I never felt that. Yeah. Um, and I never, I shouldn't say this, I never really missed that she wasn't there to pick me up because I had I did so much stuff, extracurricular stuff after school. Um, so in my head, I was like, oh, I still want, I want the career and I want the kids. And the kid will come because in your head, you just assume that's what happens. And it's only when you get older, you're like, oh, you don't have to have a kid, first of all, and it mightn't be that easy to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're, like, single or, you're like, oh, yeah, I thought I'd be married by now or I thought I'd be doing this by now. And expectations change, but then what I want changes. I remember when I was, like, younger, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'll probably have my first kid by the time I'm 25 and then married by 30. and Yeah,
2: you've got it all mapped out, haven't yeah. you? Yeah,
1: and then you get to 30, I'm like, I don't... I, like, I had, my, I had my child when I was... Thirty-five, And I still felt nervous telling my mother as though I was like 16 because I'm, I'm pregnant. Oh my God, it's <laughs> shocking. Um, so yeah, I think I always thought I would have a child, but I, I, it's funny. I just was always afraid how it would affect my career if I'm honest, because as soon as you have a child in this industry, you kind of become the mom. Mm-hmm. And I've really tried to not, let that define me because i'm still me and i'm trying to deal with my own stuff personally i don't want other noise from the outside yeah um which is why i've always been really hesitant talking about that because as soon as you give a little bit then suddenly it's like oh you're the mom.
0: planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more
1: I, I remember when I um, was first pregnant and it was during lockdown, so no one meeting. Re- it was great. I, lo- I did like lockdown for that. I know it was tough in many ways, but I liked my privacy in that time. Yeah. So I think I was six months pregnant before anyone knew I was pregnant. And the day I got a call from like, my agent saying, some paper knows you're pregnant, they're going to write about it. Classic. So I was like, okay, I'm going to control this narrative and like, put it up on my Instagram. And then like the next day, And this, not to sound ungrateful, but I remember like loads of brands send me like stuff, like for having a kid, like breast pumps, and and I got so overwhelmed because I'm like I'm I haven't prepared myself to I don't know what these stuff is for, and it was it it seems like such a nice thing, and I feel so ungrateful for saying like I'm really thankful for getting these products, but I was so overwhelmed. I had a pram come to the house. I had all these things, and I'm there pregnant, going. I haven't really dealt with like having a baby yet, and now I'm the mom, and now I'm getting all these things sent to my house. I don't know how this press pump works. Do I use it? What do, what do I do? And I remember just being like, I can't deal with it, I can't deal with it. Um, that I found really tough.
2: Well, I think actually what you've summed up there, I mean, obviously that's, you know, the, the idea of everything being sort of delivered to your door is very literal. But I think yeah. that shift in perception and feeling like you're suddenly, like, as you say, the mum, capital T, capital M, yeah. and sort of into this whole bracket, I think that's overwhelming for, for loads of people with their first baby because yeah. you feel like you've suddenly sort of... It's a bit like, someone. oh, you're having a baby. In that case, you'll, be, you'll suddenly want to wear uh, these kind of clothes mm. and you'll want. The, I'm sure you want this kind of colour scheme and mm. this is so, that sort, of, sort of... And you go, oh, well, well, I haven't actually worked out you any of I this want, stuff yet. Yeah. And so, obviously, there's lots about parenthood that's a really universal thing. Yeah. But then there's also the bit that's just when it's you and your baby and whoever else you're raising your baby with or whatever shape that looks, mm. and it's really bespoke. Mm. And I've always... Whenever people are having their first baby, I always say to them, well, just, just remember, you're the first person to ever have your baby.
1: Yeah, so no one knows. Yeah. yeah, so you
2: can kind of, as you say, like, create your own narrative, but also just set your own tone. You can do it your way. But I think I totally get that feeling of going like, Ooh, stop. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what half of this stuff is or if that's what I want in my life or if I'm going to do those things. I haven't kind of worked any of that stuff out. It must have been nice for you to have that six months quiet that was though. lovely.
1: It was really lovely. And I was still working. I was still working. Um, I was doing Celebrity Juice at the time, but we'd no live audience. And like you sit at a desk, and I was a team captain, so you can't see your bottom half. And I get to go in, my glam team would do me up. I don't think I bought any maternity clothes. I just like.
2: So what, when I saw you at Celebrity Juice, I think you were really, like, very heavily pregnant, oh, right? I, I think I, I, like, you had like, like two weeks or something. Yeah,
1: I think I filmed a show on the Wednesday and my waters broke on the Friday night <laughs> oh my goodness because <laughs> so, I saw yeah. you in
2: the hallway and you are wearing like this like little mini dress and <laughs> high platform <laughs> shoes I have to tell you it was really funny <laughs> for me because I, I didn't uh, know all I knew about I'd seen the show but I didn't yeah. know what my involvement would be so I was like <laughs> I wore these like I wore dark tights because I thought well I might end up you know having to go like crawl around or which do a task which is true which happens yeah, I wore little flat shoes I yeah. thought well like, <laughs> I got there and there was you in the platform Maya Jammer like, and. <laughs> Just like have a have dodging a a little get up and I was I just felt like such a nanny. I was like, oh my god, can I like, go home and get changed? I didn't
1: know, but normally <laughs> you start off, you start off really glam on that show, and then by the end of it, they give you a pair of lycra pants and a pair yes. of trainers.
2: So that's true.
1: But the one thing I knew when I was pregnant, I'm like, they're not gonna make me do that, so I'm gonna wear my heels. Yes. Get me my heels on. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed um, that time, particularly my last trimester, getting dressed up and not just being hidden away at home. Some people want to do that. That's fine. I didn't want to do that. I, yeah. I liked that. I liked having fun, having a laugh um, over really rude jokes. It, it, was, it was really, it was really yeah. refreshing to, and it gave me a little bit of escapism where I wasn't just at home reading baby books going, oh my, being terrified of childbirth. I actually had the most positive birthing experience that I think one can have, but for me it was I, it was everything I wanted it to be because that's I felt really in nice control. To hear. a lot nice
2: people don't have that, so it's really nice yeah. to hear. Well, positive, a lot of people uh, told me their
1: bad stories before. Yeah, that's a weird trait. It's isn't so it? weird. It's so <laughs> weird. Um, I mean, I always just say, but then also I'm very aware of my story is my story, and I would never. I don't want to make people feel bad if they didn't have that either, and it, it's really tricky, which is why I'm always really careful talking about my own experiences because they're my experiences and they're so personal to me but i think because i was working right up to childbirth um i didn't get time to get scared cuz suddenly like i was having a baby and then the baby was here and it was do you think that might
2: have been slightly intentional then like as a way of kind of like knowing yeah. how your mind works and thinking if i just keep yeah i'm still me i'm yeah. still laura going to work and i still love fashion and my yeah. friends and being
1: silly and fun yeah yeah um, it's finding what makes you feel good mm. and if that's being at home in your slippers on the sofa or watching your favorite shows or if it's in six-inch heels, you know, <laughs> listening to Keith Lemon be really rude <laughs> and an naked man running around, so be it. <laughs> but, that's, but that I found that really, really helpful at that time because I needed that little bit of escapism. And then I kind of... And I knew... I remember someone telling me about, like, oh, you should make your, your birthing plan and then, you know, some people laminate it so they can bring it in with them. I'm like, but how do you plan it? Because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't write it out. I just, in my head, knew whatever happened, I wanted to have control because I like having control. That's mm-hmm. definitely something I need. Um, and that was the one thing I always said to Ian um, with childbirth, who, whatever was happening, that I knew what was happening and that was always relayed back to me and yep. that there was a choice. You could do this or this, this has happened now, this or this. Um, and I think that's taken away from a lot of women um, when they don't really know what's going on. Um, so that I'm always like, just trying to reclaim that back.
2: Yeah, I think that you're right about the information and just understand what's going on. But also, the more I'm listening to you, the more I'm thinking that, um, because I know that you went back to work with a really little baby, mm. which I think actually is very, very you and obviously was part of how your mind works and made you actually feel really safe within mm. that beginning bit. Mm. Um... Because you know, that doesn't happen by accident. If you know you're going to bring a newborn, then you need to have you know the support around you. You need to plan that. Yeah. it's not like you just pitch up and go. Oh God, I didn't realize the date was you know so no. close to to birth. You know, you have to no, actually everything was a make schedule. a decision. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and everyone around you has to be aware of that. And it's also this is the industry that we work in. You can't, you don't take maternity leave in the same way. I don't get you know maternity pay. I don't work, I'm, fr- if I'm freelance, if I don't work, I don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So if I'm working on a show, a juice at that time, I remember going back, and I loved that show, it was 20 minutes from my house, I sat down, had my makeup done, had a laugh, went home, and I remember going back, I think like two weeks after having um, my child, because I needed it, and I wanted it. Um, but I was also breastfeeding exclusively at that time, so... Like, my baby came with me the whole time, and my mom was there. Actually, at the time, Ian came with me, um, so he was in the dressing room, and I was able to feed every three hours, and as the show went on, my boobs got bigger, but it was great, it looked great. And <laughs> I was like, I missed them. And then I'd sometimes... I at like, one point, I was, like, pumping during the show, because all that stuff that was sent to me, I actually used in the end. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so they're it was not fine. headphones. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, but you're right, there was a lot of planning, Um and I'm lucky that I could do it probably at this stage of my career when I started MTV, if I had turned around and said, I'm pregnant, can I bring my baby in? It probably yeah. wouldn't have happened. But now it's like, I really want to do this, but this is the conditions. Um, and it's, you know, it's... Even when I was doing Love Island, I remember, like, flying back and forth with her because I was still feeding her at that time. And it was it was during COVID as well, which is quite difficult in many ways, But because we, but, but every time I had to fly back from sounds so complicated when I went to Spain I had to fly back and then isolate for no, at course. the time three days before I could do the studio show on a Sunday but I kind of liked that because I'd fly back and then I'd get three days at home with my baby yeah
2: enforced yeah enforced
1: um, so it kind of worked out I was very I just had my little team around me and people couldn't and I didn't have loads of visitors coming because people couldn't come and visit mm-hmm. but it worked for me and it's finding what works but you're right it was, it was a plan and if I didn't have my mom and my husband supporting me there's no way I could have done it
2: yeah, and also I think um, I think there's a lot of emphasis put on that sort of early years parenthood and what that's supposed to look like, but actually we're very used to the fact that when children grow, you know, culturally we're really supportive of people having all sorts of ways that they do their go about their business when their kids get older. Mm. But actually, I think you know it's not um, it's not a straight line. You know, you if, if it works for you to have. I actually think bringing babies to work when they're little has worked really well for me as well. Because if I say to someone, can you just hold this baby for mm. two seconds? Most people go, oh, my God, how nice. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah. It gets tricky when they get older.
1: older. Yeah, it was easier when she was younger. Um, and actually, and I didn't mind because, I shouldn't say, they don't do that much when they're babies. They nice. just, like, sleep, eat, poop, and lie there. Yeah. While now I feel more aware of, I don't want to miss, like... You know, the first time they do this, the first time they say this word, and the first and that it's really exciting at this time. Like, the, the two to three is such a fun age, yeah. Um, could I bring her on a flight with me every two
2: weeks at the moment? Probably not. Right. also, you just quite enjoy those little gaps where you don't yeah, have to little deal little with gaps. it
1: sometimes, yeah. it's quite nice. Because before, I just used to have little carrier, a little baby on me, and it was it was. I shouldn't say easy, but it was easier. Yeah, um, they're portable.
2: If you put yeah. them down, they stay in the same place. Yes. All that now sort of stuff. it's like,
1: where did I leave her? <laughs> um, so yeah, but then you don't know what it's going to be like until you're in it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And what was it like having that time with your mum? That must yeah. have been nice, having your mum around. Yeah.
1: That's been really interesting journey because my mum lives in Ireland, but Daphne's been spending more time over here. She gave up three months last summer so I could do Love Island um, because, I, because I didn't know my hours because you get a call from a producer saying, oh, we're going to use you in three days time. So you'd be like, okay, I have to be ready. And it's very, you can't really book childcare that way. No. So my mom was basically in Spain for three months as I was flying back and forth. Um, so that's, I mean, I'm forever grateful for that. She also loves that baby more than she's ever loved me, probably. I think a grandmother's love is very different. She's
2: not here to contest that, I'm sure. Yeah,
1: but I'm, she, would probably, she would probably agree. Like, sometimes I'd be in the house. I'm like, where's my mom gone? Where's my child gone? And out the door in the park. Um, but I think that's been lovely. And yeah. it's been um, a lovely time for us. Because you kind of forget that your parents are people. And then it's like, oh, you did this, but me. And yeah. she did it by herself. Yeah. So I'm very lucky to have a very hands on partner who did the night feeds and, and, and was there with me while my mom did it by herself. And I have no idea how she did that.
2: Yeah, your mum does sound pretty phenomenal doing that. I mean, I've got this real image in my head of her in the, like, in the suits going out. <laughs> and the and, yeah, but also how nice, you said that you know, she felt guilty, but you could reassure her, like, no, I was fine. I, yeah. built up, you know, I was doing other things, I got yeah. resilience. And it also probably sowed the seeds for a really amazing work ethic. Yeah, it
1: is. My mum has an incredible work ethic, and I think, I'd like to think I've got that from her. Um, I like working, and I, I will always give it 110%. And mm-hmm. That's what she does. But I also like if I'm too long in the house with her, I'll kill her. Do you know? But I think that's normal, <laughs> especially mothers normal. and daughters. Yes. Yeah,
2: definitely. But as we're talking, I can see you've got a picture up of Bray. So that's, that's where, where you from. grew up, yeah, right?
1: Yeah, that's, that's where I'm from. Where my mom still lives there. Um,
2: it looks very beautiful.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's this is... I know funny. this is the tourist, <laughs> <version>. <laughs> tourist yeah. like,
2: the 60s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I thought that was a photo. No, I can see it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but no, I have such good memories of, of, um, of growing up there. And I think you appreciate a place more when you don't live there. Mm-hmm. I'd even, just, like, I live by the sea. Um, and now I live in North London, which I
2: love. I love North London, but I do miss a bit of fresh air sometimes. Did you ever think about mo- moving anywhere with your child, or is it not something I... you ever thought about?
1: I think with the type of work that I have, me, Andy, and like, we do travel around quite a lot, so it's just the base. It's gonna be harder, obviously, with schools and things like that. Um, and, But I like having a base. For me, I wouldn't have the same work opportunities at home, mm. but Ireland's so easy to get to. Like, we can just go for the weekend and we do a lot of trips. Um, to be honest with, with family come over here quite a lot now
2: yeah I <laughs> quite bet. a bit
1: but I and I also have such a strong sense of being Irish and that's something that I want her to experience as well but I find that in other places there's um, a London Irish Centre in Camden um, that I just did a big event for last week um and they do like Irish classes and they kind of really promote the Irishness so I'm really pushing that on her that's lovely sense of identity. Irish dancing they do Irish dancing there yeah
2: my friend Sinead, who's Irish, her daughter does Irish dancing. That was definitely a stipulation. They live in the UK, but she was like, yeah. come on. I, <laughs> I got forced to Irish dancing
1: as a kid, and my child will also get that too.
2: I wonder how you'll find it, though, if your daughter has a different accent to the two of you, because that could be quite a funny one.
1: It's going to be really weird, because me and Ian have different accents and very strong, specific voices. Of course. Um, people always recognise us, well, him, by his voice. Everywhere we go, I'm like, can you just please just put a different accent on? Because... <laughs> and his voice is so loud. <laughs> He's <laughs> such a loud Scottish accent. Uh, and mine is not quiet either. And then we'll probably have this really, like, posh English accent of a child. <laughs> but that was something I've had to come to grips with. Um, and a good friend of mine, Amelda May, uh, musician, and she's um, from, like, you know, inner city Dublin, um, the Liberties, and such a... Um, iconic, beautiful accent that's so Irish, and then and her daughter grew up here and she's got this like British English accent, and it's it's crazy. And I'm like, how do you, how do you find that? Because I had that question asked me, like, how do you feel about your daughter having a different accent to you? And it's English, and it's you know, especially coming from an Irish background. And um my mom still thinks she's going to have an Irish accent. I'm, I don't think she she's like, Oh No, we we'll just push the Irish. I'm like, you know, we don't live in Ireland.
2: You might be able to get her to do certain phrases. Yeah. That's what my friend does with her, her kids, like make some more practice. Yeah, you know, what's the crack? And yeah. she will be like able to take
1: of- us off quite well. But um, <laughs> I mean, the accent is the least worries I like, got. Like, if she's happy and healthy, like, that's that's the most important thing. But it is. I do find a lot of people at home ask me that question.
2: I think it's kind of just more like intriguing, but also I suppose those sorts of things are a nice sign of, like, evolution, because mm. you've kind of, like, you know, got where you came from, and then this is, like, the yeah. next the next bit in the in the path, you know? It's quite yeah. nice, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's like this, like, having an Irish mother and a Scottish father, and then, and then we've kind of... I feel like London's such a great place where you've just got all these cultures together. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, Catherine Ryan, who doesn't live too far from here, heard same, she's a Canadian accent and her daughter has this English accent. So oh, yeah. I think we're raising, we're raising all these kids with these accents that we don't have. Um, and she'll probably speak, like, and people will understand her more than they understand me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, even that, I'm just trying to get my head around it. But she says little words now that, the way I say it or the yeah. way Ian says it. So at the moment, it's still we can hear the Scottish and the Irish coming through. She'll probably keep those bits.
2: Yeah. Were you ever at all worried about your ability? Because obviously, being able to think fast and respond to stuff is such an int- intrinsic part of what you do. Were you ever worried about how you'd feel when you had, you know, when you were a new mum and you were going back into all that? Or was it not something that I suppose you didn't really um, give yourself much time it to worry about? Myself,
1: it. I didn't give myself, I tend to be a doer and it's only afterwards I think about things. Um, which is maybe a good thing but then sometimes I can get myself in situations. You going. say
2: yes to stuff without really thinking through yes Yeah, things.
1: well I used to be such a yes woman I'd say yes to everything and I'd hate letting people down and then I'd tie myself in knots and then probably end up letting people down because I've tried to do yeah. too much. So I've really tried to say no and be a little bit more selfish with doing things that don't work for me. And I think that doesn't come from me I think it comes from like having someone else that you're responsible for because that's my priority. So if a job comes up and I really want to do it but it has to be I have to bring them with me, or I have—I need this, or and that becomes a stipulation. So I think it's more my priorities have changed. So sometimes I have to say no, um, but yeah, I do feel like I'm constantly doing things and then looking back, going, "Oh sh- shit!" Like I can't believe I had a baby and did that whole show and was flying back and forth and and dealt with all of those emotions. Um, but then I remember someone got the MTV job and I moved to London by myself, didn't know anybody. I was working on doing this great job, um, but also it's never as glamorous as people think it is. Um, and I remember like a year into the job, a girl I worked with came up to me and said, "God, wow! Like that was a big leap. Like it could have gone terribly. Like moving to London by yourself. I'd just broken up with like my first boyfriend. Like it was a real, you know, I was 22 and." Um, And I went, oh, God, yeah, it was a big thing, but a year had passed by, so I only really thought about it afterwards. The same way now I look at, like, everything I did last year and even, like, from 2020, working during lockdown, doing shows like Love Island, coming into that after, like, and dealing with all the emotion, how I got that job, and I think it was only now afterwards, coming out of it, I'm like, Wow. I probably was better off not realising I was in it at the time.
2: Right, yes. And
1: suddenly coming out afterwards, I'm like, I've I've kind of experienced it and gone through it, but I didn't realise I was doing that at the time.
2: Yeah, different ways of sort of yeah. processing yeah. things, I suppose. Yeah. And actually, on that note, what was it like doing the play last year? 2.22. I loved it. Did you? Yeah. Was that quite a different headspace to...
1: Yeah, it is and it
2: isn't. There's,
1: there's such a link, especially with theatre. I've done theatre before, but not West End. And I guess it comes to that live thing again. Well, like. yeah. That live buzz um, and that feeling. What was different about that, I guess it was the rehearsal time I found really special. I really enjoyed the rehearsal time Mm -hmm. and the creativity we, we could have, even with a fixed script, what you could do with that. And it was a very small cast of four people and I felt very safe. And I think coming off a really big show where there's so many people involved, it was really, I think for me, really important to do that. And then having this routine of when I, although I was doing eight shows a week, I just had this routine of knowing what I was doing every day,
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I had my daytimes here, which is the perfect actually for having a child at age. And then in the evenings, I would like just pop into the West End and do a play and then come home. It was lovely.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. it. Was it? I I can't imagine doing for me like the idea of doing a play. I think sometimes I'd love it, and sometimes I'd suddenly get a bit freaked out. I'm so used to having music as giving me the shape of Mm. my. it, it, it's like putting on a, a cape or something. Yeah, yeah. So that were well, there ever times you sort of can? I mean, you can hear yourself talking in this room, and it's like suddenly become quite aware of the moment. Yeah, but then,
1: what? I, what my fear of doing it was was that would have become not samey because you're doing the same thing every day? But I feel like your each show was so different. Yeah, and again, it's that live audience.
2: Feel. Yeah, and the chemistry between every yeah. every little nuance, isn't it? And it
1: would change and stuff would change in it. And it, it it was a very safe environment. And I had a very lovely experience doing that. Um but it wasn't it was it wasn't tense. It was I had that routine for a while and I actually quite liked the like my character wasn't like very glamorous and I'd come off like doing live telly where I was super glamorous and like celebrity juice and love it and I was like dolled up and that and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go back to like strip it down a bit, and then I did that for eighteen weeks. I went, do you know what? I kind of want to be dolled up again for a little bit. <laughs> Let's do a bit more telly for a bit. And I think I need, I like having both. And the same with doing the doc series. That was stripped back to a whole other way. And I, I don't think I could ever do one thing, which is why I find it difficult when people try to put you in a box. Going, oh, this is different for you. Are you going to just do this now? And I'm like, well, no. I'm never just going to do one thing. I'm going to constantly, hopefully, evolve.
2: Yeah. Um, I think actually, generally speaking. Um, we're a lot more open to all of that mm. than, than probably that's like the best time actually to be kind of quite open to different things and having lots of different things. you hats. kind of have to isn't Yeah, that? that's actually true, that's true. I remember yeah. like, um, it's probably about 15 years ago now when people started, if they were chatting to me about, I don't know, a new album, and they said, and what else have you got going? And I'd be like, no, no, just the album. Yeah. And I realised like, oh, I'm supposed to have like a sunglasses And what's up next, and what's up
1: next? I'm just trying to do yeah.
2: this at the moment. I haven't done anything else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now it's like, OK, let's see. What, how many other things can you put there? Yeah. Um, but I think it's actually... Um, I was actually thinking of what your perception is of how... You know, cos you were saying that you didn't want to be the mum. But mm. do you think, generally speaking, the perception of being uh, a, a, a woman who happens to be raising a child whilst doing a job has mm. changed a lot since you started? Um, I... I think I
1: think I'm, it's a very different generation to, like, my mother's generation. And, again, from my... my my mom's mom, my granny, um, what she had to deal with. So I feel really lucky for like all the women who've come before me that have allowed me to kind of work in this space the way I have. Um, And I'm very, I think maybe having a kid a little bit older, um, I'm very sure of what I want. And and I can kind of knock back any of those negative thoughts that come at me. It's still, I remember I found it really, 'Cause I, I'm so protective of my child, I, I was not putting pictures of her online because I was told if I did, then the paps are able to take pictures of her outside the house and it's and it's I don't really understand the logistics and legalities, but there there are. And I was trying to work my head around until I could kind of work out what that meant and how I could control it, I didn't want to do anything around it. So then I wouldn't put up any pictures. And then i get comments sometimes going, where's your baby? Or you're never with your baby. And I'm like, well, I am. I just haven't put a picture of her on Instagram. Mm. And then I'm like, oh, maybe I should like lean a little bit that, to show that there's a child there because people will think that I'm never with my child. And I, that does affect you sometimes because you, yeah. you people, oh, do people think I'm I'm not a good mom or... And I don't put pictures of her up, but even something, I remember once, this is when I first had her in the background, there was her pram. I don't, she wasn't even in the picture. She was like with a friend and there was like a, a blanket over the pram and someone was like, you're not supposed to have the blanket over the baby. And I was like, she's not even in the picture. And I was like, oh. and I, was like I actually mentally can't put any pictures of her up because I can't deal with people's opinions of how I'm raising her. Yeah. And I, and, and I, and I know that um, I'm not able to take that on because as, as sure as I am of myself, I can't deal with all that because yeah. everyone will have an opinion. And as strong as I am, it does affect you.
2: Yeah, well, I think it sounds like you've got good self-awareness because I suppose that goes back to when you were working in news and you said, mm. I can't actually... I'm too sort of porous for this. Like, yeah, it's sometimes I think those, those voice, particularly if you have got, you know, your Instagram is obviously a big workspace yeah. and it's... Um... And it's
1: not fully real. I think, because like, I put up glamorous pictures, I'm like, that's not how I look right now. That's not... And I'm like, do I need to put a little bit more real stuff? I also don't have time, the way I... <laughs> you know, I don't have the time. But it is, I, I, I do, I'm constantly having these internal conversations with myself about identity.
2: But do you think that it's quite instinctive how you felt about the sort of boundaries you wanted to create around your private life.
1: Yeah, and I think that was from watching other women around me. Um, I think I've had a really interesting insight into this industry coming from the person who interviews people. So my first job, like, no-one cared about me because they cared about the person I was interviewing. So I started out in MTV where, like, I I interviewed you, I interviewed, um, I think, Katy Perry's, like, first UK interview, like, when she was first coming out with... um, like I kissed a boy like back those days yeah, yeah. And, and Lily Allen when she was like first coming out with her music and like Emmy Winehouse was around and I'd see all these like brilliant talented women but I'd see also how I've been to Britney Spears and I just see how the media would attack them and use any personal stuff about them that was out there against them mm. um, and if they were in a relationship and, and that's why I was always really cautious about my private life because I was always afraid if your relationship's out there and you break up, then you have to deal with this breakup publicly and it's... Yeah. And I've just... I saw other women being torn down and because of that, it scared the shit out of me. So when I start getting a little bit more interest, people were interested in me because um, they weren't at all at the start. Um, then I was like, oh, okay, I've seen what happened with these, so I'm going to be a little bit more cautious yeah. and try and control it a bit more.
2: Yeah, and I sp- those things are so bespoke, aren't they? Because there's things that I'm sure there's loads of stuff that I would put up that people would think, oh, that's too much. But then there's other that's things how I see. It's you deal and I, with it. It's like what yeah. can you
1: deal with and yeah. you, you have control over what you put up.
2: Yes, definitely. And also, as you said, the idea of anyone... If I put a picture up of the kids where you can really see them, and if anyone says anything that I've, I would yeah. that would like get right to my core, so I'm just like, yeah, no.
1: My my friend put up a picture of her baby, and someone had a comment going, "Oh, your baby's really fast." And I was like, "Oh my god, are we body shaming babies?
2: Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean?" <laughs> I was
1: just like, "I can't. I not I can't. I'll take it myself." But you come for my child, I come for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That kind of like slight like mm. tigress.
1: Oh, I remember like when I first had her, and also it was lock- It was still lockdown, so. It was a really weird time where everyone was at home, but there wasn't events happening. And I think there was definitely a few more photographers around because they had nowhere else to go. And <laughs> I, I remember, like, I get pictured going into like, doing radio BBC, and I never mind outside workspaces, but outside your house is a different level. And there was, I, I didn't realise, and I saw a lens of a guy in a car. <laughs> and I can't remember, was she in the pram or something? And I just went over to him, and Ian was like, no, Laura. I was like, I just went straight up to him, and I just... I think I took a picture because, and also he was parked in an illegal place I'm like do you know what if I can't get him the council can get him and Ian was there he just saw he saw me go red and he was like no Laura, no. and I'm like no and he's like no you do what you need to do <laughs> he, just, he was like she's in protective mode let her out
2: <laughs> yeah it's funny how that just comes out of you like mm.
1: yeah it is So it's so animalistic
2: yes it but, is
1: yeah it's just like a natural instinct that's there and you will protect at all costs
2: I know yeah it comes from quite a, like baseball. you know you read stories about like People being able to lift cars off their kids and things like that like yeah I have this like superhuman. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I can I can imagine. Yeah, Yeah. you would. You just get and it's you don't know if you'll be that person when you're pregnant, but you do. It just takes over.
2: Yeah, it does. And I was thinking, it's really sweet when you said about your mum now and how like you can the relationship with your child is such an ongoing, Mm. long one. I think as I said before, we sort of put so much focus on when they're small. But actually, like, all these layers of you come out. And actually, when you were saying about, you know, when your kids are like two or three, and people always talk about their personality coming out. But I always think the same is happening as a parent. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the things about, you know, what's important in your family house and what's your, what your moral compass is and all these things, they all start developing more and more. Because yeah. it's so binary, the baby bit, but it gets broader and broader. Yeah. So, and like, you know, the relationship now that you have with your folks will be much more nuanced and rainbow, you know, yeah. when you were just small and just needed to make sure you were fed and watered and all those things.
1: And then I just have such a, a deeper understanding for, like, my mom and my dad now and, um, like, respect for, like, what, what they did and... Uh, and also, I, I live in a time now where we do have a little bit more help and understanding. We're talking about, like, you know, we have things called like lact- lactation nurses and we didn't have that. Like, my yeah. mom didn't have people like that. And we we definitely talk more about our bodies. And and I may not be saying all this stuff online, but I tell you, I'm talking to my friends about it, like, in a way that maybe wasn't happening before. So I I kind of looked to my mom and my dad and they weren't together, but my dad was always so great with me as a kid and would. would very at that time, very few dads would like take their kid by, like, he would take me overnight by himself. Like, he would, um, and he's great, we have a great relationship now. And it's only now I'm like, oh god, that was back then, particularly like in the 90s, like, that was like not many men were doing that. My dad, yeah. you know, considering he it was he wasn't living with me, my parents weren't together, he was as involved as he could be.
2: Yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's nice to see. And, um, I think I'm really lucky that Ian has that as well. I get, like, Ian's very good and very hands-on. I like, get, oh, you're so lucky that, you know, he's so good. And I'm like, well, he's not, he's doing his job. <laughs> like, that's, it's 50-50. <laughs> we still have that thing, I know men are so great, but um, I just, oh, because of my dad being like that, I just, it's expectation.
2: Definitely. My, my uh, personal uh, bugbear is when people say, like, if the, if the dad's looking after they say, oh, they're babysitting. I know. I'm
1: like, they're not, they're not looking after their own child. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm not paying them by the hour. <laughs> no. 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 No, Oh, God. Um, you, I'm actually doing Flakstock in a couple of weeks, and you kind of alluded to your start with uh, yeah. doing, doing Love Island. And I just wanted to say, I was when I was looking back over everything, I cannot imagine how hard it must have been that bit where you started doing Love Island and had to handle that series, and you mm. handled it amazingly. And just we mm. don't have to elaborate on it, mm. but I just was so impressed with you. It must have been a extraordinary, intense and hard, it, heartbreaking chapter. That was.
1: What I was saying earlier on about you don't realize until you've gone through it. I think that was like survival mode, maybe, um, and it was uh, you're you're kind. Yeah, it's it's trying to balance it and be respectful and do things the right way. And I still, do, I think it'll take me years to fully process what happened in that time. And you take over this really glamorous entertainment show, and I had I had taken over from Caroline when she did. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of Her now. She was a friend we had that relationship, we we talked during that time, but, and that was, that's another reason why I'm probably so um, protective in many ways because Caroline was so lovely and open about everything and yeah. gave so much of herself away. And I think sometimes that could tear you apart a little bit. Um, and I I found it really hard because I went from being on the outside to suddenly being in it. Yeah. Um and it changed from what I thought I was doing being one thing to being this other thing and then I'll never forget the final live show I had to do after she'd passed away and it's like okay it's an entertainment show you got to keep it up and beat and it's about this but we also have to talk about Carol and I'm like I'm like, how do you balance that And what's the right thing yeah. to do and be respectful for the family and be respectful to Caroline but also do your job and you've got all this expectation on you and and I remember at The one thing, and I'm really proud I did this, I just, I said to everyone around me, can I do it my way? Can I just, and I remember speaking on radio, being like, can I just do this? I don't want anyone else to tell me what I should do. Can I just do this, what I feel is the right thing to do? Um, And I think sometimes you have to follow your gut in that. Yeah. But I don't think I am fully over all that time. I don't think I fully digested, but I did what, all I could do with that to get through it. Yeah. and and I think that still has affected me today in how I am with things and how I am with issues and how I am quite protective, um, and 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 it's just, and even now I think there's a lot of things that trigger me um, when I see how people are talked about online, even comments I got about myself, and I saw those comments written about Caroline when she was doing the show. I was like, oh my god, like so, well, I'm being brought into this, and yeah. how this culture that we have an attack of different people, particularly in the public eye. And I find that still triggering. And I'm still trying to work. Do I step back if I see that or how do I react? Um, and and I guess it's, for me, Caroline, I, I, I want to remember Caroline for the times when I, we hung out together and we went to Glass and Green and yeah. all those fun times, cause that's her legacy. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to like move on from
2: the tough times. Yes, I suppose it's a bit of a prism, isn't it? Because you've got the... You know, there's obviously your sort of... I suppose a lot of it leads back to your journalistic brain as well, looking at the, you know, the ramifications in culture and how yeah. that language is being used yeah. and how people are affected by what's written online. And obviously the overwhelming message that came out after Caroline died was about be kind, be kind, be kind. And sometimes even that gets a bit weaponized. It and, gets used, yeah. Because yeah. I I've I remember once calling out a journalist and then they were like, oh, be kind. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not having,
1: I'm just saying... It, They've done something about my child, and I'm saying they can't do that. that's not me yeah, not yeah. being kind and I do you have to be careful we don't weaponize it as yeah. well, and also don't use someone else, especially someone else so close to me, yes, against me, and I think we need to be really careful what triggers we're using,
2: yeah, and that's what I wanted to say to you. I thought mm. you did such an amazing you i know, I can't imagine how tough that must be because I know you you were really good mm. friends. Mm. I once um, was in the teepee next door to <laughs> at Westonbury oh, and so we I could just hear had, all the giggles yeah. and the dancing and everything and I'm and sorry. And that's, that's, that's how I remember yeah.
1: Caroline and I just feel, I feel sad as well because I probably wasn't as close to her near the end um, and also I was, because I remember Caroline in our single days and we'd be like out together and then I was like in a relationship and I wasn't probably going out as much and then you just kind of wonder, what happened? How did we get from this to this? And then you get a little bit of, um, like, that guilt, going, I had no idea. Yeah. But also you kind of, we move in different ways. And I remember I, I, I remember how supportive she was for me to do the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant a lot because I just felt I had her trust that way. And I, I had no idea how bad it was going to get.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, course. I
1: don't know if... And that's something like a lot of her friends and family have to deal with as well, probably much more than I have to. And at some point you kind of have to not forgive yourself but move on from that because otherwise you just never get out of that dark hole. Yeah,
2: and also it's, extraordinary. it's not like it's something where there's a precedent for that. I mean, that's a very complicated situation with loads of different things being affected yeah. in your professional life, your personal life. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's multi-layered. Yeah. So I think your instinct seems to be something that is what, actually sees you right with a lot of how to handle these things because mm-hmm. that seems to be something you've fallen back on with tons of stuff you found yourself with. It's a new situation. Yeah, you're like, okay, how are we going to deal with yeah. this one? and actually I was going to ask you if it was your own words because I thought it was really... Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and, and you know, I'm so surprised. I remember I had a show the next day on radio and my producer rang me and says, you don't have to come in tomorrow. And I was like, I think I need to come in tomorrow, if I'm honest. And I also knew, this is a horrible thing to think about, but I was like, no one will leave me alone until I say something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I want to say it my way and then have said it. Yeah. And I just, I didn't want to have people trying to get something from me. Because it did, it happened. Like, people wanted a picture of you crying, or people wanted a picture of you or something saying something. Or if you haven't said something, then you don't care. And yeah. I remember, just messing my producer you, I'm going to come in tomorrow. We had, I had lovely people in the studio with me that day who I felt safe with. Um, and I don't even think they looked at, I, I remember writing out what I wanted to say, but no one changed it, no one said, and they were like, you say what you need to say. And then I remember just like turning my phone off and like disappearing for like the week.
2: Yeah, that's the right thing to have people say, You don't need to check what you're going to write, you're going to
1: we live in a world where people try to yeah. like put words in your mouth and I was like, these are my words. Um, and I can't, and now I don't even look and think about, I don't even know what I said, Those I can't even remember because it just felt like that's what it was at the moment. But, it feels like so long ago and yes not it's still yeah. it's still there
2: yeah it's recent but mm. i think you've talked a lot about having that safety of who's around you and i think that's one of the things that experience brings you isn't it of like knowing like i want to have these good people around me and everyone mm. else can sort of fade away like so long as you've got that good counsel and yeah. support yeah there's good people it all kind of comes back to that doesn't it yeah. i
1: think something that you'll relate to is just like family um yeah. and having your bubble around you and i'm so grateful of like my happy safe home mm-hmm. um and you can kind of you get you go off and you do whatever your jobs and it's fun and we're lucky, but it's a lot of high pressure. And then you just come home and you just this like is, yeah. be silly. And you've got your little safe space, and you've got your girlfriends to rant about things and moan about things that yeah. you don't have to. You know, I don't need to rant and moan online because that's what I do with my friends. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, <laughs> and,
1: and have all those conversations. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the trouble is if you don't have that.
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I think actually, you know, you've got the juxtaposition of. 2020 and the shock and all of the things you know you says you say you're still
0: processing yeah and then the next year planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, 2021, where you found yourself, like, having your baby.
2: Yeah, and
1: then COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh, you just, yeah. it
2: makes, it probably does bring on the next level of appreciation yeah. for, for the and, cocoon. Yeah, I think
1: I've grown a lot, and I'm definitely, I feel, I should be weaker, but I'm stronger, and I know, like, I'm really clear on what I want to do and what I don't want to do, and speaking up for myself when I have to, in a way that probably Laura 10 years ago wouldn't.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I'm grateful for that. Like, I feel like I've, yeah, I feel strong coming through. I feel strong this year. I feel stronger than I thought I would, because I should feel weak.
2: Oh well, no. Cheers to that, and um, thank. I I really appreciate you letting me come into your. Your cocoon, oh, thank, thank you. It's been for very coming. lovely. I'm gonna finish my tea. I know um, the Irish thing is to make those of cups of tea and then leave them half done. Oh, out oh and you're
1: having Irish tea bags They're Lyons yeah. Gold Blend. That's very good. Best.
2: You've you've made it the same colour as my friend Sinead. I know this is the right way. It's all very. Have you seen dark that when you've proper. got the colour
1: chart to see which, which tea which <laughs> tea you are? So that's a classic Irish.
2: It is. It's perfect. Thank you, and thank you to Mick. for Has he fallen so asleep? Have I bored you? No, he's not. Okay. He's been having some nice strokes. He's all good. Thank you so much. Thank you. Aww, thank you to Laura. What a lovely conversation in her beautiful home with a lovely, very well made cup of tea in front of me. Perfect. So I, I told you it was a really nice chat, really proper. And in that time that, that's, that I've been listening to that, I've, I've nearly finished. I've done one, two, three out of four kids. My eldest can do himself. Uh, probably the others can too, but I don't really trust them. So yeah, I'm getting on with it. And I think I've, Not got much to do for me, actually. I mean, the thing about summer holidays is when you get there, you don't really wear much, do you? It's like swimsuits, shorts, T-shirts, a couple of dresses. Done, right? It's funny, I don't know about you, but I used to pack for holidays as if I was sort of someone else on holiday. So I'd take things I never wear anywhere else. I think I've got better at going, no, let's actually pack for the person I am. (laughs) And how I actually like to dress yeah, mainly I just can't wait to be there. It's gonna be so nice. I've got three gigs between me and doing nothing for 10 days and I'm really, really ready for it. Bring it on. I hope you've managed to have a break at some point in this summer. It does feel nice. I used to not really have holidays. I used to just sort of push on and book in work and then get to the end of the year and just sort of have the odd little break here and there that would sort of plug some gaps, but not really. And you know what? You don't win any prizes. Nobody says to you at the end of the year, congratulations, you didn't have a holiday. That's really dedicated of you. You just think, oh, that's a bit silly. So Richard and I now are much, much better at just booking in the holiday and saying to work, don't tell us if any work comes in. We don't want to know about it. We just need a break. (laughs) And the kids are so excited too. So that's cute. Anyway, um, I will speak to you on the other side and... uh, have a lovely week in the meantime, and here's hoping that the UK weather perks up a tiny bit because it's been non-stop rain. I'm not digging that. So, yeah, a little bit of sunshine be good, please. All right, I will speak to you soon. Uh, I've got another lovely guest for you next week. Thanks so much to Laura, to my producer Claire, to editor Richard, who I'm also married to, so thanks for all of the above. Thanks to Ella May for the artwork. Mainly, as always, thank you to you for lending me your ears. Lots of love. Thanks.